0: This week, the Rural Roundup is bringing you something a little different. We spoke to six diversified farm businesses across Scotland, asking them about their journeys, the conversations they had along the way, and the decisions they had to make. This week, we're going to hear the story of Tina McPhail from Grunovat Community Hub. Tina McPhail has worked in hospitality for over 30 years, doing everything from dishwashing to accounting. The community has always played a large part in the role she's held, as Tina believes community and hospitality go hand in hand. Her current role with Grinovac Community Hub gives her the opportunity to stay true to her Isle of Lewis roots, her family, traditions, Gaelic language and crofting, and allows her to pass it on to others. The UCBA, or the Bragger and Arnold Community Trust in English, is the owner of the Grinevac Community Building in North Bragger, Isle of Lewis. The community is at the heart of the Trust. The Grinevac Community Building provides community facilities, a community veg garden and market, an exhibition space with regularly changing features, a cafe, self catering accommodation for 12, one fully wheelchair accessible room a laundrette, and an electric car charging point. The Bragger & Arnold Community Trust is a social enterprise, a small community organisation with big ideas, remaining true to itself, with community, family, Gaelic and tradition at its heart. Callum Johnston, one of our FAS advisors and FAS TV producers, sat down with Tina to find out more about this fantastic community resource and how it helps the crofting community it serves.
1: Tina, Ian, it's great to have you on the podcast this afternoon. Thank you for for joining us. I wonder just to kick things off, uh, Tina, could you introduce yourself and just give us a flavor of your role at Grinivat?
2: My name's Tina McPhail and I'm the manager at Grinevat. I came into that position in oh, November 2020. It's a community organization. Um Previous to that, it had been a school, and it had been a school for about 134 years. So that's from about 1978, and the last class was taught in 2012. Once that happened, um, the local government decided that they wanted to close the school, and um, much to the dismay of the community, there was at that point there would be nothing left, there was no school, there was no daycare centre, there was no playgroup for children and the community was really lost. There was nowhere, nothing for them to do, nowhere for them to socialise. It was a really difficult time. Uh, the local council decided that they put the school up for sale and after many meetings, the community decided that they wanted to take it over. So about 10 years ago, the Braga and Arnold Community Trust was developed and they bought the school back and they started doing fun days, they started doing coffee mornings, they started to um, kind of brunches, just kind of social, social things, fun days and they just used it as a meeting place and they really proved that they needed it um, and then they stayed as a tight community and they managed to secure funding from various bodies to the tune of one and a half million pounds and the renovations of the school began in 2019. And they were, obviously, COVID had a major impact on that. So the renovations weren't completed until December 2020. And I started my job then. Um, and a lot of work had been done prior to that. So I suppose my job was to kind of take what had started it and develop it and um, preserve the history that had been created, the history that was there when it was a school and the history that had been there um, previous to that, and just building it. A lot of work had been done by so many people, so I had a big, a big task. But I must say, it's just been a hugely enjoyable one, particularly for the last two years. It's been incredible.
1: That's brilliant. What an amazing uh, background. Now, I'm also um, joined uh, today by my colleague, Ian McMillan, who is a senior agricultural consultant uh, based um, in our Stornoway SEC Consulting office. So, Ian, um, I wonder just briefly, could you just tell us a little bit about your work and what's been passing over your desk recently?
3: Uh, well, I'm Ian McMillan, and I'm a native from Lewis. Um, I, I've worked in in SAC for over sixteen years, longest job I've ever stuck. Uh, So I must be liking something about it. Um, The job is the most varied thing I've ever come across in my life, from sheep records uh, into regulatory work, whether it's assignations or sublets. Um, We do agri-environment. We look at biodiversity on moorland, so we're doing all that at the moment. Um, And we're doing farm advisory um, events and programmes, and that's how I got in contact with Tina.
1: That's amazing. And, and Ian, you say you're a native. Are you, are you a native to Lewis, Tina?
2: Yes. Well, I don't know. I moved up here when I was six, so I suppose I am technically. I've <laughs> been here for quite oh, some hi, time Oh, hi, for sure.
1: <laughs> so so you, you gave us a great history of, of, of Grinevat and you know that whole sort of school um, background. What kind of events do you run nowadays?
2: Well, we've got a cafe and the cafes open approximately six days a week and um, we also have a community space um we do coffee mornings um we kind of do we hire out the community space for um local groups we do keep fit in there we do art classes we do um family music times we do dance for children um it, it's growing we do we do concerts we do kind of um small Nights, you know, in our cafe, we call it Beside the Fire. We do fireside chats. We do um, take small local musicians and they do a performance in a cafe. We work with artists residents residence. Um, it's growing substantially. We also kind of um, deliver food out into the community. There are gardens at the rear of the building in which the community um, can almost rent a plot for a year or two years, we have two polycrubs at the rear of the building, and they're used by the community um, as well, growing vegetables and herbs and salads. We have a shed at the back of the building, which is affectionately known as the man shed. Um, the man shed is used by, again, the male members of the community. They were tired of sitting, listening to the women chatting um, at the coffee mornings and they wanted a space of their own and they wanted a place where they could repair things. So we received funding in order to buy, to put the man shed in place. Um, the man shed's been used for quite a lot of things recently. Um, we actually used it as a stall during the Scottish Opera who we had in our car park, um, and we used to sell fruit juice and refreshments from the man shed too. So, quite diverse things that happen. Um, I We've also got a hostel, um, as well, and the hostel kind of takes, kind of raises funds for the charitable element of it. Um. But Arnold Community Trust is a charity, so a hostel is able to give us a, an income, um, and we do find that between the months of m- probably I'd say March to June are our busiest times in there. But with the people that come into our hostel, we want to make them part of the community. That's part. That's probably where our strength lies. Is people come to us as strangers and they leave us as friends, and that's happened numerous times throughout. The I mentioned we've got a community shop so um, it's not a community shop it's an honesty shop and uh, it's people in the local community are able to either make preserves they can make hats socks and they can sell them in this honesty shop and then the money that's made from that um, goes back into the community again so it's um, somebody's way of just earning a little bit of extra money um, we've started a new thing now called Barter Saturday. With the success of the polycrubs and kind of just people kind of being more sustainable. They've had such surplus of veg. So we've said barter Saturday, come along and you can barter with your next door neighbour for six eggs or um six carrots or a bag of potatoes. So that went down. That was a new thing that we tried and we're hoping to continue with that.
1: you, you mentioned there that you're growing, um, you know. You're growing produce in in polycrubs. It's been oh, it's got to be about three years uh, since I was last over in Lewis. Um, and I wonder, Ian, you know, when I was last across, there was a real, you know, boom in, you know, crofters putting up
3: polycrubs. Is, is that still the case? Yeah, that has that has not stopped. Um, it, the way our climate has changed, and our climate has really changed. Um, from, I mean, I've lived here all my life. Um, our winters are wetter, uh, milder, as we're experiencing at the moment. Um, but it's much, much windier. We're, much, we're so exposed here. And the polycrub, that rigid structure of a polytunnel, which is fibreglassed, uh, it's assisted with wood on the base, uh, offers people an extended season. They can grow a larger uh, amount of crops. Um, and it's interesting to see how people are just sort of evolving in how they use them. Initially, they think they can just grow regular vegetables in it, whether it's potatoes or cabbages or whatever. And then they soon realize they've got to have more control on things, they have a broader range, they can have successive crops. And it's, um, it's, it's maybe businesses that um, uh, people are developing that you would never ever had that opportunity before. And because if you're on a croft in particular, you can access funding through the uh, Crofting Agricultural Grant Scheme to support you to um, to erect one of these polycrubs Because nothing nowadays is cheap, so any assistance is greatly welcomed. And in, the more we can encourage to do this, the greater the, the network of people who can supply produce in our communities. And I think Tina would say, you'd say, you know, if you could source more veg than that, I think it would be... Something you'd be looking to to do, oh. wouldn't it?
2: one hundred percent, absolutely. Um, we would do that all the time, time if we could. Um,
3: do you use that in your cafe? Do you use local food in your cafe if you can?
2: We'd use it in the cafe, and if people wanted to sell it through our honesty shop, we would do we would do that um as well. And when we did the barter Saturday, what didn't sell or what what they were unable to swap at barter Saturday, we actually sold through the honesty shop. Um, and it goes down in that. People love that. People want to taste fresh, local produce. They, they don't want to be reliant on the supermarkets anymore. And it, I think it's fantastic.
1: I'm interested, Tina, you, you mentioned earlier that part or all of, I'm not quite sure just how much, if it's the whole business, is, is set up as a, as a charity. Is that right? How does that work in practice? Is it a social enterprise it's a
2: social enterprise yeah
1: so what, what is a what is a social enterprise how, how does that work
2: um a social enterprise is just about i suppose the the clues and the name is it's it's there it's a charity but you're actually being able to provide for yourself as well and you're operating it as a business so while it is a charity it is it is actually a business i think that's the most important aspect of it we don't you know we don't rely on donations donations are good there are projects that we will need funding for but we try and be as sufficient as we as we can be um so any money that's generated by the cafe or by the hostel gets put back into the business again
1: who, who tends to be your your sort of customer base because i'd imagine that it's you know, it's probably quite varied. You know, you've got a tourism element, but then you've also got, you know, a local community element. So how would you define your customers if that's even possible? I don't know.
2: Um, Well, in our first year, it was quite easy to do because we had to do track and chase with all our customers. And at that time, I would estimate that 75% of trade just coming through our cafe area was local trade. Um, and by local, I don't mean just from the villages of Braga and Arnold, I mean from, from the Isle of Lewis. Um, and they're coming as far away as Scalpy and Harris and Point. A lot of people were almost bypassing Stornoway to come across to us. Maybe one of the reasons where we were quite new. The hostel element is, again, was quite surprising. Uh, in our first year, I would say it was half and half. We had a lot of people staying in the hospital that, hostel that had family connections. Um, and we actually had a local group staying in the hostel for two or three days as well. You, our hostel, I suppose, is more for the visitors to the island, those that are doing the Hebridean way or, say, forever, for example, due to the, the weather, the weather can change so rapidly. Um and people have been camping. They'll come to the hostel and spend a couple of nights there. In the last year, I would say, particularly in our cafe area, I would say almost a hundred percent are people from the Isle of Lewis, basically just coming into the cafe. And I think it was a big. I think the community had been concerned that the cafe would just be used to generate income and that the tourists would be catered for more than more than the local people were and that's not actually been been the case for us for us anyway um and the community had been so supportive to us from the very very beginning and they continue to do so
1: that's really interesting how you know it's you know the community community's really bought into it as well um why would you say you know you're obviously in a in quite a remote, rural part of Scotland. So, you know, why would you say, Tina, it's important to, to to bring people together, particularly in remote communities?
2: Um, I've kind of been discussing this with kind of the staff at Grinevat. I think with Prager and Arnold, they're one of the oldest communities in the outer Hebrides, particularly on the west coast of Lewis. And they've always had, particularly Braggar and Arnold have always had a very strong sense of community. I think what we've found going, even growing up, you, you, you came to Braggar and Arnold as a, as a stranger, but you left with, with friends. And I think being in a community and pulling together, it's, I can't, it's a difficult question to answer. I can't actually pinpoint. Community means so many different things to so many to so many people, and I have so many gifted people in my community. Yeah. Um, and I think during COVID, people came together a lot more. But the people of Braga and Arnold now, we've noticed that one of the biggest fears for us was our declining um, population. But in the last years, there's so many young families moving back, so many houses have all been sold, but they've actually been sold to individuals from the village or with a a connection to the village. Um, I had a lady who said, actually, she wouldn't have stayed in Braga had it not been the fact that there had been such a strong sense of community and the Braganal Community Trust, but it is when you when you define community, it's it's a difficult. I think that's a difficult thing to do because community means so many different things to most to so many people. But it's about preserving what your community has, preserving its culture, preserving its history, um, and educating the next and educating the next generation. I suppose.
1: Yeah. I noticed, you know, I had a quick scan of your website before this this podcast uh, recording, and and one of the things that clearly comes across is that you guys are very keen to celebrate and promote your culture, your your heritage, and also the language of the islands as well. You know, why would you say it's important to continue
2: these traditions? If they're not continued, they're lost forever. If we don't pass on these traditions that we have, if we don't pass on the stories that you know, that I heard or that my grandmother heard, they're lost forever. And I think that's 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 really sad. I mean I remember so many of the stories. Um and I think we rely so much on computers. The art of storytelling is actually to gone now. Gallic Gaelic language will disappear and that's the last thing any of us need we need to treasure what we have and, and 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 treat it like a treasure because it's invaluable you can't put a price on it
1: yeah I, I i totally agree and and ian are you finding the same you know in the crofting community it's it's really important to keep these traditions alive
3: absolutely um it, it, it's what's happening actually in crofting out here in the islands may not reflect what's happening in other areas we, we're beginning to see some younger people more women coming into agriculture but more traditional crafting practices that we with uh, here in the past whether it, how they utilize the ground uh, how stock are managed what type of stock has been used that's all it's almost like it's coming back um maybe we don't have sort of cultural centers on that um you know the islands much bigger than people actually think Lewis and Harris but when you have something like like a green in the community and the blend of everything that they're offering, whether it be from the food, from the cultural events, I think one of the things they're really good at, uh, hats off to Tina and her team, is how how they offer sort of it. It keeps on varying, it keeps your interest. Um, there's there's loads of like small cultural events. There's local artists. There's people coming in, as like you said. Scottish Opera coming in. I mean, goodness me, who ever thought that was going to happen at, at, over in Braga, you, you just never think that. But I'll tell you, I, I don't know how many times I tried to get into the centre and it's, it's packed. I, it, it is packed. It is packed with local people. Um, it's an opportunity for pe- people to meet together and talk. And it's, that social interaction is so important. And for me as a crofter, you know, coming to a place where I can, you know, go into the museum and see artifacts from a community and that, ah, it's a great thing to have in our community. And the more we have it, the better. Absolutely. So, Tina,
1: who who were the key people uh, involved in Grinnovat? you know, are involved in, you know, coming up with new ideas? You know, surely there must be other people involved in, in these events, running the events, thinking of the ideas, who else is involved um, that perhaps you know we can give recognition to today on, on the podcast with coming up with ideas uh, and thinking of new things for the future?
2: Oh, help the uh, share. We've got our community officer, Murdo Morrison. So he deal, you know, he's with the community, he's out there, he's talking to people, and he also does the Gaelic element as well. Um we've got Christine McLeod, and she helps with all our Gaelic classes. Um Katrina Campbell, who is one of the founding members of, of UCBA. Um, and without her, I don't think the building would be there. Anne Campbell, and she does the artistic element. Um, so all of our exhibitions go through Anne Campbell. Um, John McLeod, we have Gordon Williamson, who's our chairman. And he's done most, if if not all, the work in landscaping um, the grounds outside that we also had Ali Williamson who was there before I was and he had done so much in the community with young people and um, the adults he was the, really the one that developed the gardens in the first place and um, another gentleman Callum and Catherine they had done a lot of research into the history of the school and had gone back and looked at all the records that the way there's just so many people I, I you know they a gifted bunch of people they all have such amazing skills and uh, I, there's too many of those there's actually too many of them to name but I mean I must say that I've got a, a trust that are 100 behind us they're low they you know they're local they know what it means to be a local person um and they put their heart and soul into everything you know that 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 we do. So when there's an event on, I can guarantee you that at least three members of my trust are going to be at that event. And we've had some, you know, as Iang said, we've done the Scottish Opera. Um, we've just actually had a dancer from Germany who has um, created a dance to Gaelic poetry and another dance to Gaelic, to Gaelic song. So you can see how diverse that we actually are are, and It's just about listening to the community and listening to the people that I actually have working with me and for me and just kind of developing their ideas um, as well.
1: But tell us, Tina, about the staff that you've got at Grunewat. Are they all local people? Where do they come from?
2: Well, when the business plan for Grunewat was developed, they said that they would employ, say, a full-time member of staff and a part-time member of staff. At the height of the season, I had 13 members of staff, um, including myself. Eight of us are actually from the villages of Braga and Arnold. which <laughs> is some feet in itself. We do have up to 15 volunteers as well. So with the volunteers, they will help us distribute food in the community. They will help in the gardens um they'll help at community fund days uh, christine one of our volunteers she'll help with the uh, conversational gaelic classes and obviously those that are on our trust they all they also do that voluntarily um as well so that is what you know with my staff and my volunteers that is how um Grinevath is has run
1: and it must be really rewarding uh, for for you and the team. You know, it must be a really rewarding experience and just seeing the smile on people's faces. Uh, you know, what does it mean to you?
2: What does it mean to me? Community, that's what it means to me. Um, I and mean, you'll know that as you're, as you're growing up in, in the villages and rural locations, you're in and out your neighbor's houses all the time. You didn't need to knock on the door. You didn't need to wipe your feet and it's just about bringing that sense of community back again and helping each other and knowing each other and knowing when somebody's having a problem knowing in ho- and how you can help and it's not for me it's not about getting anything back I don't think I just obviously we've all got our motivations but I, I can't tell you what I do I just genuinely do enjoy it. I enjoy when something is successful, I like get frustrated when something doesn't work. Um, don't get me wrong; nothing ever goes. Nothing ever goes completely smoothly. There are always going to be days where it's going to be hit and miss, and you just kind of. And it's, a lot of it's a learning curve. I think that's the thing. Um, you're not going to get everything right all of the time. And you can only improve what you do. You, none of us know what's around right the next corner. We've already had, you know, COVID fuel crisis and poverty crisis is next. And you just have to be able to adapt and learn, I suppose.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Ian, you know, even for yourself, it must be, even in your role uh, as a consultant, you know, it must be really rewarding to to be going working with clients but also you know i i know myself that you've got a foot in the communities on lewis you know what does it mean to you uh,
3: it's really important and it's important for us i think we're more engaged as sac yes we're engaged in the community but we have 450 subs, crofting subscribers from our books here and that's something in such a spread out remote and rural areas we have here and and they're keen, they're enthusiastic, and it, that does us good. When you can keep that going, it's tough. It's tough just now for sure, costs are are high. Um, it's hard to keep people together. You're aware aware of people's vulnerabilities. Um, uh, that's certainly something that we can we, we're noticing ourselves. People are wondering how they're going to afford things and that. And that's why it's important to have these different. Groups coming together, community groups, and looking out for each other because it's really, really important. Whether it's an agency as ourselves, uh, where we, we can maybe sort of direct folk to uh, to meet together with others or let make somebody look out for them, it's really, really important. Um, in everything that we do in our lives, you know, we we're, we're not we're, no man's an island, or no, no woman's an island. We should, if we work together and look after each other, um, things that are changing though in all my time on here is. The the cultural aspect of things has really changed, and I see with our young people opportunities for music and that. We didn't have that when we were young. I'm making myself out to be really old. I hope not too old, but, you know, my kids now play. Two are fiddle players, one plays the pipes and one's on the guitar. It's a noisy house. But we never had that opportunity, and you see that cultural development. Same with Gaelic and Gaelic events and community events. Everything used to be in Stornoway. It's not in Stornoway anymore. Um, we have events out in the community. We held an event recently, actually, out at Griananadh, uh, where we did a, a meeting on boxed veg and we had a demo f- of food and then we had a great spread of of food uh, laid on for us there. It, it, it's it's superb. What what the likes of Tina and her teams do in the community, is it's amazing. It re- it's really worth seeing and worth going to visit them Uh, but you're going to struggle to get through the door because it's pretty busy
2: (laughs) he's not lying it is it is busy It can some days can be quite overwhelming i have to say
1: (laughs) so so finally tina just to to round things up what what's what's next for grinovat and how can people find out more
2: um, well, they can find out more by going on our Facebook page is the ideal way Or you can go onto our website and keep an eye on there You can see what we've been up to with regards to artists residents. Um And I don't really want to say too much about what's happening next. I'm kind of keeping things under wraps for now But I think it is, first and foremost is community We are working with Fair Share Scotland We are delivering food packages to um, some of the communities and we're trying to kind of do that you know while in the Braga and Arnold area but also spread further afield and um, I have one or two plans for the next couple of months so all I can say is watch watch this space but community is at very much at the heart and that's what it is and um, you know and it's about kind of being sustainable it's about making people want you know, giving people a reason to come and visit us, um, and I think that's the main thing. And actually, for me, it's just knowing that the community have been so supportive. I get my chance to thank them, and they come and thank me by spending a little bit of money in the cafe. And actually, since we work with the young in the summertime, um, I've had a lady who's actually wanting to come and supply the cafe with um vegetables. In fact, she came to see me the other day, so that was absolutely absolutely fantastic so more people want to do that amazing
1: brilliant so yeah watch this space as you as you say uh that's brilliant um thank you so much you know just to just to round things off um, today thank you both uh, very much for for taking the time to talk to us uh sounds amazing see next time i'm i'm over there ian i'm definitely going to be asking you to give me a trip up to to great cake
3: (laughs) Excellent coffee. I am no kidding. And a great wee fire in the corner. It's superb. It sounds amazing. Um, You've definitely sold it. You sold it
1: to all of us. Um, So no, it's great to hear what you're doing. Um, You know, you're supporting a real community spirit over there. And that really comes through, you know, really comes through in the podcast today, bringing people together in what is, you know, let's be honest, it's, it's quite a remote um, rural part of Scotland and it's, it's great to see that you're bringing people together and also sharing, you know, the culture, heritage and, and the Gaelic language uh, of the west coast of Scotland, which is, which is great. So it's, it's wonderful to hear and thank you again for, for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
3: If you want to visit Gurunabad, uh, a community hub over the west side of the Isle of Lewis, if you head out sort of 12 miles, uh, approximately out of Stornoway, you head across the Barvis Moor, which is open moorland and bleak, definitely in the winter. But then you come to the villages of uh, Lower Barvis and Arnold and then you sort of enticed along there, The stretch out these villages all the way along the, the west coast there. Most of the villages in Lewis are on the coast, they're not in the middle. And all of a sudden you come to Bragar. And Bra- as you enter into Bragar, there's just... Large, imposing building on the right, but very inviting building. The old school style, very much what you see across the island from the past. But it's been redeveloped into a modern facility. It's nestled with croft land to the back of it. Um, small paddocks and sheep and cattle grazing in the, in, out on, onto the moorland. And it heads out into, what well, is actually open, uh, expansive moorland and yet they're only like a mile and a half to the coastline. Um, it's, it's just an inviting place. It's been developed so well. It's so fresh from an old building to a fresh, open place. It's just an amazing place to visit.
1: If you are interested in crofting culture, community and heritage, similar to Grinevat, you can check out another podcast uh, where my colleague Mary-Jane Laurie interviews Chris Dyer from Bressy Um, he is based at Garth's Croft so I would fully recommend that podcast and it is also available on Fast Sounds in the Agriculture podcast channel
0: Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Rural Roundup You can find out more about the businesses and the people featured through the links in the show notes If you enjoyed this story please share it with others that you think would enjoy it And don't forget to subscribe to the channel to get our regular fortnightly episodes as soon as they're released.
2: The Farm
3: Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.